Ready now? Okay. Faith is a victory. Because it will be victory. Because we'll be home with the Lord. So praise God. Okay, today we're going to start, today and next week, a message that's on the Battle of Armageddon. It's found in Revelation chapter 14, a vision of it, mentioned in 16 and 19 of the Revelation. And by the way, we're about two-thirds through the book of Revelation. So what I've been thinking about, the book after this that we're going to do, this is the Lord's laid this on my heart, I've done it quite a while ago, is the book of Romans. So what do you think? Do you have any ideas or suggestions? Uh, I've done it quite a while ago, and I'd like to do it again. The Lord's laid it on my heart. Uh, it's probably, obviously all the word is the word, but it's a great book, obviously. Every book's great. So today... Of course, we got several chapters to do. We got seven more chapters in Revelation, so it's going to take a while before we get to that. We're going to look at Revelation 14 and uh, touch on 16 and 19. And then uh, next week, we want to go back to the uh, prophet of Zechariah, chapter 14, because Zechariah talks about the coming of the Lord. We are living in the church age. The, with the rapture, will occur, the tribulation will occur, and then the second coming of Christ. The rapture is not the second coming. That's the meeting in the air. The, sec the second coming is where Jesus comes back with power and great glory. There will be a battle at a place, it's called the Battle of Armageddon. It will, it will be the last great battle of history, except at the end of the millennium there'll be a rebellion in a short time there. But this is the last great battle. The Lord Jesus Christ will come again. The second coming of Christ as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The Lord Jesus Christ will defeat the Antichrist and the enemies of Israel at the Battle of Armageddon. Jesus will set up his millennial kingdom in which he will rule and reign for a thousand years sitting on David's throne. What a glorious time that will be. At the end of the millennium, Satan will be released from the bottomless pit. He's put in there at the beginning of the millennium in the bottomless pit. Uh, the beast and the false prophet, the two beasts, will be cast into the lake of fire. And then at the end of the millennium, he will be loosed for a season. He will lead a rebellion against Christ, which will be over very quickly. Now, I have not been to Israel, but there's a man sitting here this morning Oh, you've been to Israel, too. Uh, Freya's been there. The man sitting here and a lady. And anybody else been to Israel? Okay. I, I told a, a preacher one time down in the post office in Rhinebeck, Pastor Coppenall had gone to Israel, and I said to this preacher, a local preacher in town, he's not here anymore, I said, I plan to go there during the millennium. He said, don't hold your breath. He didn't believe in that. He was a liberal preacher that didn't believe in the Bible. So I said, well, I plan on going. <laughs> so well, I don't know when that's going to be, but I'm gone there. Now, we're going to talk about the meaning and place of Armageddon, the reason for the battle, the time of the battle, those involved in the battle, the details of the battle, and the result of the battle. Now, like I said, there's a man sitting here with us this morning who uh, has been there, and I'd like him to come up. His name is Rick Wells. 
He has been to Israel, and he's been to the place where this battle is. So he can give you a little bit of the geogra geographic of the, of the place. It's quite a place. Napoleon said this is probably one of the best places to have a battle. I sort of caught him off guard. <laughs> Thank you. 
Okay, thank you, Rick. Uh, so that's what we're going to be looking at. So it's in chapter 14, 16, 19, and like I said, next week I want to look at Zechariah chapter 14. The prophecies of the Old Testament talk about the Lord's coming. They talk about the kingdom that will be set up. So we got a lot to look forward to, but we're living in the church age. This is the day of the, the church age. But what's going to happen? We're going to have a tribulation. It's going to last seven years. And then the Lord Jesus Christ is going to return at the end of that tribulation. In Matthew's Gospel, and, and Luke also in Mark, it mentions about what's called the Olivet Discourse. In Matthew, I'm going to just turn to that as we start here. Matthew chapter 24. And 29 through 31, I want to just jump up to 21 first. Actually, I want to jump up to 15 first. It says, when you therefore, this is Matthew 24, 15, when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whosoever readeth, let him understand. This is what's called Daniel's 70th week. In the middle of that week, the, anti, the Antichrist is going to proclaim himself to be God in the temple. We know there's no temple in uh, Israel now. In a, in a few messages, I'm going to be talking about the temple and going back to the tabernacle and going through the, the temples that are mentioned in the Bible. And of course, we are the temple of God. But this is the second desecration of the temple. The first one was during the anti during Antiochus Epiphanes, during the Maccabean period, 168 BC, when Antiochus Epiphanes slew a pig on the altar and it started what's called the Maccabean Rebellion. But Daniel here is also talking about the second desecration, this one that Jesus has mentioned. So he mentions it here. And then in verse 21, he, that, for then there shall be great tribulation. The whole seven years is called the tribulation, but the last three and a half years of that is called the great tribulation. The great tribulation, such as was not uh, seen uh, the beginning of the world to this time, nor ever shall be. Now, at the end of that, immediately in verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the son of Sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven shall be shaken, and there shall be great a great uh, appear the great sign the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and there shall be shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heaven to the other. So that's the second coming of Christ. And that's when the battle of Armageddon will occur. So, now we can go back to the Revelation 14. 
So this, this is going to be an incredible event. Chapter 14 is the vision of, the, of Armageddon here in this chapter. It's found in chapter 16. It's found in chapter 19. I believe where uh, uh, Rick Lared was from 16, right, Rick? And uh, that's talking about that battle, that battle that's going to happen. But we're looking forward, obviously, to, the, to Jesus coming to take us, or if we pass in this life, to go home to be with him. Then we're also looking forward to the millennial kingdom. But in between this age we live in and the millennial kingdom is the tribulation. There will be a tremendous tribulation on this earth, like has never been seen. But even then, as we've already covered, there will be 144,000 Jews that are going to be like evangelists going around this world. They're not going to be married. They're going, to, they're going to have no domestic responsibilities except to preach the gospel and share the, the good news of Jesus Christ. There will be a great crowd that will come. A number of people will come to Christ. It will be very difficult, very difficult to be a believer then, but they will. This is where the Antichrist is going to require people to take, to take the number 666 on their hand or on their forehead. Now, obviously, the believers will not, but they will face the chopping block sad to say. But God will take care. Praise the Lord. It will be a severe time of persecution and testing, the, the tribulation. It will be time of great harvest. The tribulation will end with the battle of the Armageddon. The battle of Armageddon. And then the last battle, it will be the last battle before the millennium when Jesus will set up his kingdom. You know, there's going to be a kingdom on this earth for a thousand years. This is going to be incredible. It's not going to be perfect, but near perfect. Because there's going to be people that are going to the kingdom that are not believers, that come out of the tribulation, and some of them are going to come to Christ, but some of them are not. Because these are going to be, at the end of that thousand years, they're going to be the group that Satan, when he's loose from the bottomless pit, will lead a rebellion against Christ, and that will be quickly done, done away with. Okay, so this is the last battle. Now, in this chapter, it says here, and I looked, and behold, verse 14, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one set, like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. So this is preparing for Jesus to come. As Rick mentioned, these enemies are going to come. The Antichrist is going to lead this uh, battle. And these uh, the enemies are going to come. We know it says there's going to be a 200 million man army coming from the east. Israel will seem to be, to be surrounded and be going to be done in. But that's when Jesus is going to come back. Praise the Lord. Now... It says, as another angel, verse 15, that came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, thrust in the sickle and reap, for the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So this is going to be the sickle that's going to be used, and there's going to be a separating work between the believers and the non-believers during this time. He goes on here. 
And he that sat on the cloud thrust in the sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. Now, like I said, in a couple weeks, I'm going to be talking about the temple. Now, just to give you a little bit of an understanding of that is this. There's no temple now. Well, I should clarify that. There is a temple. A whole bunch of them sitting here. You, me, we are the temple of God. But I'm talking about a building. And I'll just give you a little preview. We're going to talk about that in the future. We have the tabernacle that was given by God to Moses on Mount Sinai. Then after that, when they went into the land, King David wanted to build a temple. He didn't build one because he had blood on his hand. He said, we're a king, but his son did Solomon. It's called Solomon's Temple. That temple was destroyed in 586 by the the Babylonians. When they came back out of captivity, that temple was rebuilt and and dedicated in 516 Zerubbabel in Ezra. It was during that time. That temple was refurbished by Herod in 19 BC. And that's the temple Jesus went into and cleansed it. There's two cleansings of the temple. One at the beginning of his ministry and one near the end of his ministry. He went in and cleansed the temple. That temple was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. I believe, Rick, you saw a part of the foundation of that temple, right? Big stones. Big, right? Huge. The Romans destroyed that in 70 AD. And are, they haven't had a temple since then. We are the temple of God. We'll get into that. Uh, but there'll be a temple built. Now, when will that be built? It will be either built near the end of the church age or the very beginning of the tribulation. It has to be there in the middle of the tribulation because that's where the Antichrist is going to desecrate the temple when he goes in there and proclaims himself to be God. So that's a little bit of that. We'll get into that in more detail, of course. Now, the person of the hearer of the cloud is Jesus Christ. Jesus has left the earth. He said that to his disciples. I'm sending you another comforter. I'm gone. I'm gone. But he's coming back. He also said that. In John 14, he said, Let, You believe in God? Believe also me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, that where I am you may be also. Well, we've been, it's been, been about 2,000 years since he said those words. But he's coming back. We don't know when, but he is. So the key is, are you ready? Are you looking forward to it? Okay, I would trust every believer is looking forward to it because this is gonna be an incredible time during the millennial kingdom. Yes, it has to be the tribulation first, but the millennium's coming. In fact, all of us that have prayed the Lord's prayer you're, every time you pray that, you're praying the kingdom come, right? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What's the next phrase? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done where? On earth as it is in heaven. Is it being done on earth as it is in heaven now? No, because we know what man is doing. But during that time, it's going to be a time in which he's going to rule and reign. 
for a thousand years. So you can look up Daniel 7, we won't look it up now, but Daniel 7, 13, and 14. You take the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation, you can put them right together like that. And then we get the fulfillment of this prophecy. In fact, in some seminaries and Bible schools, they teach a book, a uh, course. It's called Dan Rev. It's Daniel and Revelation. Now, the harvest here is often associated with, in chapter 14, with the persecution and the tough times that believers are going to face during that time. Why does it seem... Now, this is very interesting. When do you think more people come to the Lord? When things are easy or when things are difficult? Huh? Why is that? I, I know the answer to it, but it's a rhetorical question. Why does it seem like when things are difficult, people come to the Lord? When things are easy, it's sort of like, uh, hey, okay. I don't really, I believe, but I don't really want to take it seriously. Why is that? Huh? <laughs> yeah. So we need to remember that. During the persecutions, many, you might say, man, we can't have a persecution because of a persecution. Listen, all, all, go through the book of Acts, go through other places, go through church history, and you will see that a lot of people come to the Lord during a persecuted time. I've told you this before, down in the Amish country, there's the Mennonites have a center there, and downstairs they show a little film. I've seen it probably many times. Every time I go there, I say to Donna, you want to go and see that? The Amish downstairs? Uh, so, <laughs> she says, we've seen it about a hundred times. <laughs> I said, okay. So it tells about a persecution that broke out in, the, in our time, back in the 1900s. What happened is, initially what happened was this. It shrunk down the people that claimed to be believers. But then after it shrunk down, it went out. Because what happened is people that were not seriously with the Lord peeled away. And then the ones that were with the Lord got stronger. And then out of that came evangelism and sharing the gospel. And then it grew. They tried to stamp it out, the believers. But after the after the persecution went away, the church had grown multitudes more. Why? It's because people realized the seriousness of this and they trusted Christ. And that's what's going to happen in the, even in the tribulation, which is going to be very difficult. But people are going to come to the Lord. Now, take your sickle and reap because the time has come. The Lord is coming back and the time has come. And there's going to be this separating work of people coming. Winning of souls or bringing people to Christ. Jesus had already said this in the Gospel of John. He says the fields are white unto harvest. The harvest is here. All he needs is people to go out and be the reapers. He used, he, his Holy Spirit brings people to Christ but he uses you and me in the process of bringing people to Christ. And praise the Lord. In fact, that's what the Great Commission's all about. Go into the world and preach the gospel. There's a verse that's always been very interesting. I want to turn to it. It's in Acts chapter 13. This has always been a very interesting verse. 
Now, this should make witnessing and sharing the gospel a pleasure. Listen to what this verse says. This is Paul and Barnabas on the first missionary journey in Acts 13, 48. 13, 48 of Acts. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. Now listen to the rest of it. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. You see that last phrase? What do you think of that? So when I go out and share, or you go out and share the gospel, and somebody comes to Christ, you can be assured that they've been ordained to eternal life. All we're doing is going out, sharing the good news, and then God's working in their hearts, and people are coming to Christ. You saw that, didn't you, Gerard, up at uh, uh, Johnson City? With that, what, a young boy went out with you, didn't he? And he was watching people take the... Tra- yeah. There'll be two different reactions. In, in the book of Acts, we see that, chapter 14. We're gonna, uh, when we get to Acts 14, not now, but tonight, uh, we're going to see how there's going to be people that are going to believe and then go like this. They're either going to go like this or like this. Listen. People could be living in your own house that don't believe. People could be family members, friends. Obviously, we want to see them, but you can't believe for them. Donna believes on Jesus. Jason believes on Jesus. Jennifer, I believe on Jesus. But we believed individually. As much as I would want any members of my family to believe, I can't force them into salvation, can I? I can share the gospel and tell them but then they have to respond to that by faith in Christ. So during the tribulation, there's going to be many people that are going to come to Christ. Now, and this is what this is talking about. So the, they're going to, and another angel came out of the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud voice to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in the sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for the grapes are fully ripe. You can see the time of the harvest is there. They're fully ripe. They're ready to be picked. They're ready to be brought in. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden down without the city and blood came out of the winepress. Even on, now listen to this. The latter part of this is talking about what's going to happen at the Battle of Armageddon. Listen to this. This this is amazing to me. It says here that even unto the horse's bridles, but the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. You know what that is? Yeah, you know what that is going to be? Blood. Blood from what? The battle of Armageddon. You know, everybody knows where a horse is. You know where a horse's bridle is? Freya knows. She has a horse, right? Right here? Huh? Right there. Okay. So, this is going to be something. Now, in the notes here, it says the meaning in the place. Like I said, 
Rick and others that had went over to Israel a number of years ago, they went to this place. It's north of Jerusalem and Bethlehem. It's sort of south of Nazareth, if I'm correct. And it's right in there, and like you said, there's sort of like a, a, a mountains or low hills around it. And Napoleon, Napoleon of the 1800s said, this is a perfect place to have a battle. It's in a crossroads also. So it's quite a big area too. So this is going to be some battle that's going to occur. What's the reason for the battle? Well, the reason for the battle is this. Right now, we know on October 7th, something happened over in the Gaza Strip. And it's still going on. You and I know the nation of Israel has faced constant battles from the very day they were formed in May of 1948. The Arabs declared war on them. 80 million Arabs. They've had the 67 war. They've had the Yom Kippur war. They've had these scrimmages right along. Now, humanly speaking, Israel is no match to all those Arab countries that they're surrounded by. Plus other nations that hate them. And this is what's going to happen. As this time draws closer, the nations are going to come against Israel. From the east, from the north, the Arab countries are going to come against Israel. It seems like they're going to go under. Because there's going to be such a large number. But guess what? There's somebody coming from heaven. And there's no way anybody can defeat him. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's coming. Just jump over to chapter 16. In chapter 16, in verse 13, this is the ones that Rick read here, okay? And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the false prophet. Now, the, there's two beasts. One is the, the false prophet, the other's antichrist. There's two beasts that are mentioned. That's the two that are mentioned here. And it says, for they are the spirits of, the, of devils working miracles. Now in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, it also gives some commentary on these working miracles. See, even the enemy can do counterfeit things that sort of counterfeits the truth of God. Okay? Now, it says here, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. So they're gone and they're going to be drawn into this battle. Drawn in. Now, it says here, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watches and keeps his garments. Let his, uh, his walk, uh, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. It's the Valley of Jezreel. 
It's quite a place. And they're going to be battle, they're going to be coming together. So when's the time of the battle? The time of the battle we've already seen in Matthew is going to be the time of the end of the tribulation, when Jesus Christ is coming with glory and great power. Okay? Who will be involved in the battle? Well, Israel is going to be surrounded. The nations will come against Israel. You know, Ray shared in uh, Sunday school this opening this morning, his family watched The Hiding Place last night. Uh, everybody familiar with The Hiding Place? Are you, you're not familiar with it, are you, Louis? <laughs> I know he is. Uh, the Hiding Place, just to give you a quick thing here, during World War II, we know the Nazis were persecuting the Jews severely. But in, in the Netherlands, in Holland, there was a clock shop run, run by Corey Ten Boom and her family. But they had a bigger calling. It was to hide Jews in the clock shop. Because the, the Nazis were trying to get, round up all Jews and bring them to the camps. We know some of the camps. We know Auschwitz. Belson, Belson, Buchenwald, others, Dachau. There's, there were hundreds of camps. And the railroad trucks ran right into the camps to unload the Jewish people, and also Europeans as too, as well, to kill them, persecute them, kill them. But Corey and her family were hiding them in their clock shop, but they got caught. And they ended up in one of the camps her sister and her, Betsy. Betsy was more spiritual at that time than Corey. Corey had a tendency to complain a little bit. They were in the camps and they complained about the bugs, the bed bugs or the lice. Remember that? And uh, I think Betsy made the comment is, don't complain, Corey. They had a little testament that they snuck in with them. Little Testament Bible. And uh, they said they kept the guards out because the guards didn't want to go in where the lice were. So God even has a purpose for lice, right? Sometimes we could complain about lice, but the lice kept the German guards, Nazi guards, out. Corey's sister, Betsy, died in the camp. But Corey, when she was released, became a tremendous witness for Jesus Christ. In fact, in one of the meetings, one of the German guards came forward. And um, for a moment in her heart, there was like, this is the person that's been responsible for killing my sister. But then the forgiveness in her heart flooded her soul. And she saw the man, I believe he came to the Lord, right, Lou? He did. Okay. So, but they were persecuted. I've told you this before. I was down the Am or down uh, down at Chincoteague a number of years ago. Chincoteague's off the Virginia coast, where the wild ponies are. And we were looking at a lighthouse, and a woman from Holland came up to me. She said, "Here's their words that she said to me. This is about five years ago." She said, "I'm afraid of your country."
she said, it's gone in the wrong direction. And she said, I saw a place where I saw railroad tracks going into a place. And what flooded to her mind was the railroad tracks that went into these camps when they unloaded the Jewish people to be killed, burned, or put in gas chambers. My oldest son, Frank, visited one. I think he visited Auschwitz. They were going to destroy all the camps after the war, but they left a few as a reminder of the Holocaust. But the Jews have always been persecuted. I know other people have been persecuted too. I know that. But the Jews have been persecuted. They were persecuted during the time of the Egyptians. They were persecuted during the time of the Assyrians. They were persecuted during the time of the Babylonians. They were persecuted during the time of the Greeks. They were persecuted during the time of the Roman Empire. They've always faced persecution. They've been driven into different corners of the earth. Okay? But this is going to be the straw, so, so to speak, that's going to break the camel's back when they are going to come, all the nations of the world, against Israel. They're going to be surrounded. Humanly speaking, there's no chance for them to survive. But there's one coming from heaven that's going to rescue them. His name is Jesus Christ. He's coming back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And nobody's going to defeat him. And that will be the battle of Armageddon. The details of the battle, the results of the battle. And like I said, we're going to look at Zechariah next week. But read over chapter 16 and then 19. I just want to go to 19. And we'll, we'll talk more about this next week. In 19, verse 17... It says, this is Revelation 19, 17. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying, to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven. You know, this morning, I, I was in the kitchen ready for Sunday school, and I looked out the window, and on the yard there was about a thousand birds. And I thought, what are the during this time, there's going to be lots of birds, lots of fowl of heaven. They're going to have a feast, okay? And uh, it says, that, uh, as it goes on here, come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that set on them. In the flesh of all the men, both free and bond, both small and great. Now, you think this, you think this is true? It is true. Let me just tell you. The Battle of Gettysburg on July 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, 1863. There were 50,000 people killed or wounded on the battlefield that day. 50 or 60,000. After the battle, the armies left. Lee took his army back to the Virginia. The North left. The battlefield was littered with bodies and 3,000 horses. I know that bothers you, Freya. Guess what the townspeople had to do? Bury them. Guess how deep the graves were? Shallow. Guess what the animals did? They came and ate the bodies that were not 
very deep in the ground. It was a horrible thing. So you can just imagine how this is going to be. It's going to be horrible. But Jesus Christ is coming back. And now notice here. It says here, And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. Let me just ask you the question. Who's sitting on the horse? And who is his army? Those that come with him. Can the Antichrist and the false prophet and the enemies of, the, of Israel defeat him? No. The battle will not last very long because Jesus Christ is victorious. And that's what we need to remember. Not just for this in the future, but this now. Sometimes we get all excited about things that are happening. Jesus Christ is the Lord and he's king. He is our Lord and we don't have to worry. Ray said it. We live by faith, not by fear. And I, I've told you this, we're going to talk about it in our history class with the red threat during the 30s, right? 20s and 30s. There was a th red threat when I went to high school. Everybody was talking about the Russians coming. And we, we had not only fire drills in school, but we had bomb drills. Remember that? Anybody remember it? Some of you that are older? Because there was the threat of communism, Russian, coming and taking over. I understand that. And I'm not belittling the threat and the scare. But one thing we have to remember as Christians, our God reigns. Our God is in control. We can trust the Lord. We don't have to live in fear. We live by faith in him. Amen? Okay, because I hear sometimes people talking, and I'm not trying to make light of it, but sometimes they're afraid of what's going to happen to this country. Let me tell you, my citizenship has a higher place than being a citizen of the United States. I love being a citizen. I'm a citizen of heaven. Amen? Where are you a citizen of? Heaven. Amen. Now, that's a higher call, and, and don't misunderstand me, because I love living here, and I love this country. But I have a higher calling, and so do you. It's heaven. We are citizens of heaven. We are ambassadors for Christ. So let us share the gospel. This, this time is coming. It will come. When it, when it does, we don't know exactly the date, obviously, but he's coming. So I'd like to just conclude by looking at, look at 916 again. We didn't look at that, we start at 17, but look at this. And he has on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Chaz is gonna come and lead our closing hymn, but before we lead that, I'd like to sing, He is Lord with you. And then you're going to come and close with Onward Christian Soldiers. Let's sing. Let's stand and sing He is Lord together. And then Chaz will come and close our service with Onward Christian Soldiers, which is uh, uh, 579 in your hymn books. But let's... This is Lord of our lives. So let's sing this together. <laughs>